Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 13. It says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for himself to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Three things that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, And let me frame our lesson first. Uh, Here's our lesson. Uh, Jesus is a better promise. Jesus is a better promise, and, and, and that's what's going on. The text begins by talking about the promise that God made to Abram at the time, or later Abraham. And so we're going to go back and we're going to look at that promise, and, and we're going to kind of frame our conversation this morning based on that. But I want you to understand that is our lesson. Jesus is a better promise. And, and here's what I want to share with you. Here's our first point. I want you to see that Jesus is the promise of God. Jesus is the promise of God. He's the promise of God. Verse 13, it says, when God uh, made his promise to Abraham, and, and uh, you guys remember what that promise is, right? In the Old Testament, every remember the promise that God made to Abraham? He said, I'm going to make you what? The father of many nations. This morning, I want to go back and I want to look at that original promise with you. It's found in Genesis chapter 17. So if you don't mind, let's, let's turn there, Genesis chapter 17, and, uh, and kind of read the promise together so we know what's going on. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 1 and, and read through 5. Um, Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, When Abram, remember that was his name, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. That's pretty important for what God is about to say to him because he's talking to a 99-year-old man and he's about to make him a promise that, that he's, he's going to be a father of, of, of many nations. And I think it's pretty important that God prefaces that statement, right? Hey, hey, Abram, I want to talk to you for a second. By the way, I'm God Almighty, okay? Because, like, just, just hang that in the back, because what I'm going to say to you, you're going to freak out. Don't be afraid. I'm God Almighty. I can do all things. You ready? And, 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 and then this is what he says. So he says, listen, I, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So he makes this great promise to him. But how's that promise going to transpire? How does that promise happen, right? Well, we, we find out how that, that, that promise happens in, in, in verse 16. It says, I will bless her. That's, that's Sarah. Remember, God changes her name too, so she's going to be Sarah. I'm going to bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of the nations. Kings of peoples will, will come from her. And, and, and so, so literally, God says, listen, I'm going to give you a promise. 
Like, here's my promise. The promise is that you're going to be the father of many nations, and, and, and all of that, my promise to you, is going to come through your son, whom your wife is going to give you, right? Okay? And, and, and so through your, your one and only son. And you say, Pastor, how do you know that it's going to be their one and only son? Well, we, we get that in Genesis um, chapter 22. So, so go ahead and turn over. I've got verse 2 on the screen, but we're going to read some more together. But Genesis chapter 22, this is how we know that all this promise is going to come through his one and only son. It says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Uh, that, that, that I will show you. Now, now you've got to get this, okay? God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, listen, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now that promise, it's a big hefty promise. That promise is going to come through through one place. All that promise is going to come through his one and only son, uh, through Isaac. So through the one and only son, all of the blessings of God are going to come. Okay, you, you've got to see it. And then God says to him, he says, hey, Abraham, here's the deal. I, I want you to take the promise and I want you to give him to me. I want you to take the promise that I've given you. I want you to give him to me. I want you to fully trust him with me. I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice him. And here's kind of the story of how that goes down. Genesis 22, starting in verse 3, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey and he took with him um, uh, two of his servants and, and his son Isaac. And when he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. Now, it's probably a pretty good little amount of wood. Isaac's kind of not the small little puny kid you're thinking. So, so he puts it in and he places it on his, on, his, on his back, it says... And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up. And he said to his father, Abraham, Hey, father, hey, dad. Yes, my son, Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And, and the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and there. He arranged the wood on it. And then he bound his son Isaac he bound the promise and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up uh, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So God makes a great promise to Abraham. He says, listen, you're going to be, you're going to be the father of many nations. Buddy, I've got blessing upon blessing upon blessing in store from you. Right? But all of those blessings are going to come through and flow through whom? Isaac, your one and only son. Now, I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to go, and I want you to sacrifice him. And so, so just kind of, kind of, you're here with me. And so, here's the promise. And Abraham said, wait a second. So, so God, you promised I'm going to be father of many nations. Now, you tell me to give the promise and, and to lay the promise on an altar. So, he's laying his promise. He's laying Isaac on the altar, and he's raising the knife. And, and, and just as he's about to do it, God cries out, stop, 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 wait. And, and, and listen, it doesn't say this, but I, I just believe this with all my heart. As, as uh, God is speaking to Abraham, he's saying, stop, right? 
And, and, and Abraham clearly gets the message. God is speaking to me. He said, wait, hold on. I want to show you something, my son. I just, I just want to teach you something about who I am. I want you to stop. I want you to understand this. I am the God that provides. Like that's, that's just, that's, that's who I am. So I want you to just lift your eyes a little bit. And you see Abraham beginning to lift his eyes. And suddenly he sees the bush and he sees, he sees the ram caught by its horns. And he begins to go, oh God. And you see what, what, what God does on that day is extremely significant. Because he says to Abraham, listen, listen, the promise that flows through the one and only son, right? Get, get this, I'm not going to require Isaac of you. No, I will provide the one and only son. I'm going to provide the one and only son and through him all of my promises will flow because I am provider. Now hear me, this means something for you because some of you here have taken the promises of God and then thought it was your job or duty to produce them. Right? Because I'm not the only guilty sinner that walked through the doors this morning. And you took the promise of God and you thought, man, I've got to work on that. I've got to add to that. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And, and God still has that same message for, t- for you today. Listen, no, I'm the promiser and I'm the provider. I'm the promiser and I'm the provider. And every blessing of God flows through my son that I've provided. I find rest in that. I find security in that. I find great peace in that. First thing I want you to see is that that, that Jesus is the promise of God. Second thing I want you to see is that Jesus also is the oath of God. Jesus is the oath of God. So so back to Hebrews 6. We're kind of flipping back and forth. Uh, Hebrews 6, again in verse 13 and 14, it says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no, uh, no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Right? And then you skip down to verse 17 and, and 18. It says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. That's us, by the way. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, uh, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. And, 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 and so this is, uh, this is really unique. It actually happens back in Genesis 22 where we just were. So Abraham and Isaac, this amazing thing happens. And then God does something really incredible. See, because God's already promised it. You just got to understand the nature of God, right? God is, 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 is true, and God is just, and God is right, and, and, and it's impossible for God to lie. There is zero, God's made the promise. There is no need for anything to be added to the promise. But when you think about the abundance of God's character, when you read about the fruit, and Jesus says, you know, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have abundant life. And you go, what is abundant life? What is God about? Here's what God is about. He's made his promise, which is sure and true and cannot be changed, and, and he keeps his word always. And in addition to that word, he's going to make an oath. He says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to swear by myself on the promise that I have already told you I'm going to give. And so what, what is an oath, right? Jesus is the oath of God. What is an oath? Well, well, literally, God gave his word that his promise would be true. God gave his word that his promise would be true. Now, just think back with me to John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made that has been made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And it was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus has forever been the Word of God. 
And, and God gave His Word to show that every promise He has declared would be true. Every promise He's declared would be true. He's God's Word about keeping His promises. Friends, you know what that means for us, right? I mean, that, that, that literally great significance means that as we read our Bible and we see a promise of God and we understand that, that God's unchanging, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and, and, and forever. We understand the unchanging nature of God and we can begin to circle those promises. And when we wonder if they're true, because we will, because life is hard, and it's not easy, and it's difficult. And, and when we wonder in circumstances, when we feel alone, and we begin to question, and wait a second, God, you said you'll never leave me or forsake me. You know what you get to do? You get to look to the cross, and Jesus is proof that God keeps His promises. Jesus is proof that God keeps His promises. That, that He came, and He lived, and He died, and, and He rose again. And we look to the empty tomb here in Easter, it's coming up. And we look to the empty tomb and we proclaim, we serve a God that provides and keeps His Word. Jesus is God's Word giving to us that God is a God that always keeps His promises. That's huge. So I challenge you this week, man, get in your Word. Get, get, get in the Bible when you read a passage, look for the promises of God, circle those suckers, write them down, and, and, and you, can get, you get to claim those in Jesus' name. Jesus is proof that those promises still stand firm for you. Jesus is the oath of God. That's good stuff. It's good stuff. Lastly, number three, I want you to see that Jesus is a better promise because Jesus is the action of God. Jesus is the action of God. You ever promise your kids something and forget about it? You know, luckily, God has hardwired kids to remember every promise you've ever made. You know what I'm saying, right? But Dad, you said we could have candy. Surely I didn't say that. I would not say that you could have candy because your mother's not out of town. So there is no way that I would have said that you could have had candy. But clearly I did. Then you get to go back, hey, Mom, guess what? I promised in a moment of weakness... That they could have candy, okay? I tried to find candy that didn't have, you know, yellow number nine and whatever else in it. But it was impossible, so I'm giving them every chemical known to man and sugar. God bless you, I have a meeting tonight. Kids remember every promise. Here's the problem as adults, we make a lot of promises that we don't follow up on. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. Jesus is a better promise because he is God's action for us. Jesus is the action of God for us. And I began thinking about this this week. Aren't you glad that God doesn't love the same way that we love? Aren't you glad that God doesn't love the same way that we love? Because I don't know about... Because we say that we're loving people, but let's be honest, right? We like, we, we like our, our alone time. Like we say, oh, yes, yes, the Bible. I love my neighbor. I just don't know their name. Right? I mean, I mean, I love people. They just annoy the crud out of me. I mean, they really do. You, you can ask Hope. We're driving back, and I took a shortcut yesterday. Took a shortcut. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to get home earlier. Take a shortcut. It's a one-way road. Here we are. We got off the belt. Took this little cut. I'm going I'm to pass, bypass Mainer altogether, and the lady in front of me is going 45 miles an hour on my shortcut. I was not happy. She was annoying me. I'm supposed to love her in Jesus. Learn how to drive! I'm so glad that God doesn't love me the way that I love people. 
I'm so glad that God doesn't love me the way that I, I love people because we, we, we say that we love people, but we rarely do anything for them. Man, I'm so glad that God's not like that. I'm so glad that his love for me isn't just a word on a, on a page or a lyric in a song or a slogan on a t-shirt. But rather, God's love for me is an active love. The Bible says, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. God's love gives. God's love does, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, another way to translate that, by the way, would be something along these lines. For God so loved a fallen, sinful world of God-haters, of enemies, of slaves to sin and lust, that he did something about it. For God so loved the world, he did something about it. Jesus is God's love in action on our behalf. Jesus is the action of God. I thought about this this week. Aren't you glad that God wasn't just a Bible writer and a Bible studier, but he's a Bible doer? Doesn't that, just, doesn't that just warm your heart? Aren't you glad that God didn't just like write about slavery and, and write about weakness and write about failure and write about loneliness? Aren't you, aren't you glad that God didn't just write about being slaves to sin and, and just to educate us? Aren't you glad that he didn't just parse the Greek and, and the Hebrew meanings of slavery, but, but instead that he, he stepped into humanity and actually set the captives free? I mean, aren't you, aren't you glad that God is, is a doer of the word and not just a writer of the word or a studier of the word. I mean, that just brings me great joy in my heart. God's a doer of the word. That's what he does. He actually comes and actually sets captives free. He doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't just study it. Jesus is the action of God. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. It's big, big, powerful stuff. So when you understand how good the promise of God is, when you begin to wrap your mind around how good this Jesus really is, what what do you do because of it? Now, I don't know what you're going to do. By the way, we should really preface what this section of the sermon is, right? This is like my action plan. So, I, I, I mean, I encourage you, like, if you don't have one, you take these and go try to do these this week. Feel free to replace these with your own action plan as long as you're doing something about the Word of God that you've heard, okay? So here we go. So, so, so application number one, um, I, I, I've done this a lot. I'm not cheating. The last point last week and the first point application this week, they're the same. Ready? Hold on to the promise. Man, hold on to the promise. This Jesus is too good to be true. Hold on to, to the promise, right? Hold on to Jesus. Verse 9, um, we, we studied this in Hebrews 6 a, a while back. It says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. Another way to say that is, is he's saying, listen, I, I believe in you. I believe in you. He said, hold on, man. I believe in you. I, friends, I would tell you the same thing. I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. I, I, I literally believe that you can do this. I believe that you can trust in Jesus and you can live for Jesus. I believe that you can find your identity in Christ and in Christ alone. I believe that you can turn to him and surrender to him. I believe that you can be the light that God says that you can be. I believe in you. I believe in better things for you. Better things for me, man. I believe in those things. So hold on to the promise. Start there. Start there. Think about the promise. What is that promise that God is providing for you all that you need? Right? I'm going to hold on to that. Every promise, man, I'm going to hold on to that. 
that it's God at work in me. How many unfinished projects do you have around your house, men? Just asking the guys. Well, maybe I should ask the ladies. Ladies, how many unfinished projects are there around your house that your husband was supposed to do? I mean, can anybody got double digits? Glenn's like, yeah, I got double digits, right? There's a few, right? Double digits, right? Now listen, hold on. How many of you feel the same way about your spiritual life? So many unfinished projects. You just feel like a failure, like, man, I've got all this stuff unfinished. Time out, time out. You are not your own project. You are God's project, and God doesn't leave anything unfinished. He is provider. That is who he is. It's not through your effort. It's through his one and only son that every blessing will flow. So hold on to Jesus and let the blessings flow. All right? Number two, anchor yourself in the oath. Anchor yourself in in the oath. And this isn't just about holding on, friends. This is about trusting. This is about trusting. What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus is God's word that every promise of God is true. Have, have you firmed that up in your life? Have you anchored that? Like, that's not just holding on. That is an anchor. That is, that is a rock. That is no matter what life throws my way, I know that the promises of God are true and I am unwavering in them. Why? Because I look to the cross. Because Jesus is God's word to me that his promises are always true. And so we, we allow that to be an anchor for our soul. I found this line this week. I, I love this. It says, we do this, ready? Because God does not fail and he will not change. We anchor ourselves to these promises of God that God is going to do this because God will not fail and he does not change. Oh, it's good stuff. Lastly, here we go. Do something daily. Jesus is the action of God. That's what God's love is. It's action, right? And that's what Jesus is. This, is. this is God's love in action for us. Now, some of you, again, you're saying he's cheating. He used this last week. He mentioned do something daily last week. You're right. You're probably going to hear it again next week, right? Do something daily. Why? Because that's what God has done for us, right? That's what love does. Love does something. Love is action. Um, I want to share this with you. I'm not going to call out the person that it is, but I just thought it was a cool story. I was talking with somebody this week, and they said, you know, there was just something little in the sermon last week. You said something about do something uh, daily that, that, that makes a difference in the world. He said, it's just this little thing. And he said, you know what? I, I just kind of, I don't know. That just sat with me, and God really worked on my heart, and I just decided I was going to try to do that this week. And so one day, I went by the nursing home, just visited with a bunch of shut-ins. Now, that's not his duty in the church. But he just decided, that's what I want to do. And he said, I was so blessed by it. I loved every minute of it. He said, I was sitting at work the other day, and I was, I was just, again, I was thinking it was it's something to do today. What should I do today? And he thought of a, a, a person that he worked with and, uh, and hadn't called. Like, this person was doing really well. Somebody that they had kind of helped tutor and mentor and hadn't talked to him in ages. And just out of the blue called them and said, you know what? I just want to tell you, you're awesome. And you're doing great. And she's like, why, why are you calling me? He said, I, just, just to say, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And, uh, and he said, I could tell on the other end of the phone that, that it was very, very meaningful. He said, it didn't take long. It took about two minutes out of my day. He said, I hung up and you know what? I promise you I was more encouraged by the phone call than she was. Friends, there are multiple opportunities every day for us to do something with the love of God. 
for us to do something, to love somebody in an active way. Maybe for you this week, it's being there to listen for somebody. It'll take five minutes of your day. Maybe 15, depending on who you're talking to, right? Just be there to be a friend and to listen. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're going you're gonna to go to Austin later and you're going to see somebody and God's going to change your heart. You usually see that person and they're there and, 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 and maybe God changed your heart. I heard a, a story the other day. Somebody saw somebody on the side of the road um, that was asking for food. And you know what? Instead of handing them money, they just said, hey, we're going to eat. You want to join us? They just sat down and actually ate in a restaurant with a person. Okay? Guys, there are multiple ways in your life today, including with the people across the street from you, that you can have conversations and you can share the love of God in very real, tangible ways. So my challenge to you this week is do something because of this love of Jesus, okay? Would you guys pray with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us in an active working, visible way. Thank you for not just saying that you love us. Thank you for not just writing it on a page, but coming and doing something about it, God. Thank you for a a, a freedom um, breaking love, a, a love that breaks through chains, a, a love that, that cares more about us um, than, than, than we could ever care for ourselves, a love that, that loves even when we don't love back, a love that loves even when we walk away, a love that loves even when we mess up and we always do. I thank you for continually, actively seeking us out and bestowing that kind of love on us. And I pray this morning that we would be found uh, here in the promises. Pray that we would be found here ready to actively give ourselves to that kind of love. So God, just do that in us this morning. Just do that in us this morning. We, We ask it. We beg it. We need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, um. Man, the last couple of weeks.